Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. You know, again, that's a conversation that, you know, Dino and I will have, and that's, you know, good question, Paulie, but that's one that we that we uh, will talk about in, in his office or my office if it comes to that. Uh, the only time in recorded history that someone said the words, good question, Paulie. But that was a good question from Paul Sibilia with a, a prior conversation there with uh, Syracuse uh, Athletic Director John Wildhack. I heard back in December about retaining assistant coaches. And look, there's a lot of turnover in college sports, but an eyebrow or two has been raised in seeing Tony White go to Nebraska. Now Nick Monroe head out to Minnesota, and that's a big loss on the recruiting front. And, of course, the transfer portal is swinging both ways for Syracuse football. Another recruiting day approaches. There's actually a lot on the the football table to discuss. So when we do that, we turn to our friend and colleague, and fellow Star Wars nerd, ladies and gentlemen, the great Emily Liker is back on the block. Emily, how you doing? Good. How are you, Brent? I am great. Good to hear your voice. And uh, you had a chance today to sit down with the Swag Daddy. First of all, what was it like to just be in the, the mere presence of, of the Swag Daddy today? And what were your impressions of that conversation? And Emily's story, by the way, is up at Syracuse.com, so go read it. But what were your takeaways uh, from your conversation today? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Nick seems like a really genuine guy. That was the only time I've ever talked to him in person and probably will be for the foreseeable future, if not ever, considering um, the rule that Dino has around assistance. So I'd never talked to him in season. He was gracious enough to meet in person and talk today about his departure. And I think the big takeaway, I mean, yesterday, of course, when this news comes out, everyone online, doom scrolling on Twitter is like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, it's rats fleeing a thinking ships there's there's all this stuff going on there must be something that needs to be dug up from inside the program and and this is the second exit interview I've done I, I talked with Tony White when he left back in December and now I've talked with Monroe and I just don't get the sense from either of these guys that that's the case I think these are both personal development moves. Um, Monroe has incredibly strong ties to Minnesota. He grew up there. His family remains there. He knows Joe Rossi, who's the current uh, defensive coordinator. He's known him pretty much his whole career. So there's ties there. He wanted to be in a defensive coordinator role, which we knew. I had asked him about that last month. The one other time I got to talk to him, which was ahead of the pinstripe bowl, I had asked if he was interested in being a defensive coordinator full-time, and he said absolutely. That wasn't going to be an option at SU, as we know, because Rocky Long was just hired last month. Who knows how long Rocky will be here? We don't have any of his contract details. And so this move for for Nick, I, I don't think it has anything to do with Dino, I don't think it has anything to do with the program. I, I think it just has to do with taking another opportunity to advance his careers, which a lot of us look to for in our in our careers. Like it's it's just like any other job switch, except it's incredibly under a microscope, is what I will say. It was interesting. He admitted in in your story today that you know that co defensive coordinator title certainly piqued his interest, and like you said, this this hit home. It's Minnesota. It was the right job. He's not just taking a job. And like he has been with Dino for almost 10 years, and certainly his reputation mm-hmm. has built and built up here. But how much did he say, and what were your impressions of essentially getting uh, an upgrade in position? He's the co-defensive coordinator, but you know that's better than not defensive coordinator at all. What was, uh, what was the, your impression there? 
Yeah, it's interesting because the role is like, it's not quite a lateral move. It's more than that, but it's not like a full-on promotion. Like he's still going to be coaching a specific position. He's not going to be a play caller um, that we know of in any sense. I mean, he told me today, he was like, Rossi will still be calling the defensive plays. Here he was the safeties coach and the defensive passing game coordinator. So like, it's kind of interesting to look at the two titles and okay, how, how different are they? I think until we see what he's doing a little bit at Minnesota, it will be hard to tell. But um, I mean, in terms of if here there was any chance for him to go into like a co-defensive coordinator role, I mean, I asked um, if he was interested in the defensive coordinator job here. I, I put it in the article. He declined to answer that. I think that tells us almost just as much as if he had, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, had answered the question. So I don't know. It's interesting. I think he had been here for a long time and at kind of his age um, and just kind of looking at coaching transitions and stuff. I I think it it makes sense for him to move on if he didn't feel he was going to get more responsibility or a bigger role here going into this next season. Emily, the recruiting aspect of this is where it really hurts Syracuse. I mean, the swag daddy, the tweets, uh, just the the connections he built, the players he brought in. He was big in the state of Florida. Like this is a big, big hole that Dino Babers has to fill here. What's his next step in in replacing a very important recruiting cog in the machine? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Monroe's been responsible for so many of the incredibly talented defensive prospects that Syracuse has had in the past couple of years, especially. I mean, you could look at guys like Andre Sisco, Garrett Williams, Deuce Chestnut, who obviously has left now. But still, um, I, I don't know exactly who you turn to on this staff. Um, again, just because we don't get to talk to very many of the assistants, if any of them at all. Um, And so it's hard to kind of gauge personality wise, like, okay, who could step up? One thing I've noticed just kind of anecdotally in the past couple days is it looks like wide receivers coach, uh, Michael Johnson has been out doing a lot of recruiting. I've seen a lot of recruits tagging him, thanking him for his time. So I'll be curious to see if that kind of becomes a trend just from seeing him at practice and on the sidelines and stuff. He feels like he could be the coach to have that kind of personality and step in and fill that role that Monroe had. But it kind of has to, I think, shake out here a little bit in the offseason. Emily, I wrote a column earlier this week about, you know, Syracuse is now stuck in an interesting position where you're you are developing talent for better schools. Deuce Chestnut, you brought up to LSU and Jihad Carter to Ohio State and you know, these these upper level power five schools are thanking Syracuse for finding these diamonds in the rough so they know who to look for in the transfer portal. So you're you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place there because you, you certainly want to be good at that as a staff, but you don't want to be too good at it where you're putting these players on that radar. What's been your impression of the, the transfer portal swinging uh, both ways for Syracuse, it seems? Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm actually kind of doing some some digging into the portal right now and looking at trends and stuff um, in the incredibly short transfer portal era. Like, the transfer portal started in 2018, which feels insane to even think about. It was only five years ago now. Um, Not even because it was October 2018. Like this, We are still very much in the infancy of the transfer portal era, and I think everyone is just learning so much about it every every single second. Coaches are learning new things. Players are learning new things. 
everything is constantly changing. I think the resounding thing I am learning in my research, and I, I obviously don't want to give too much away because this will be a piece on Syracuse.com next week, but is that Syracuse isn't really in a worse off place than any other school in the ACC. They are incredibly on par with the number of players that are exiting other programs in the conference and either, and even in other conferences, power five conferences. Um, I haven't gotten too much yet into like looking how many players, how many looking at how many players schools are picking up. But in terms of the outflux of players, there's, there's not too much to worry about, at least not this year. Um, I think, 2020 and 2021 had incredibly high um, transfer rates. And yes, the number is high again this year, but it's not as high as it was in those two years. And so I'll I'll have more on this all all next week online. But I I don't think Syracuse fans need to be quite so chicken littling about the whole transfer portal scenario, if that makes sense. Where I I think they have somewhat of a a chicken littling, I'll put it this way, is it's it's the quality (laughs) of the players, not the quantity, right? So if if your issue is how many guys are going, Syracuse is actually, you know, what is it, Florida, who is I looking at? Florida lost like 17 players and some – Programs have lost over 20 guys, and mm-hmm. so it depends on you know what you're more concerned about. I'm more concerned about the quality of players that are going into the portal and, and how you replace them. So I'll be curious to read that piece next week and looking forward to it. And Emily, I did a poll on Twitter yesterday, uh, for what it's worth, uh, for you know my little uh, slice of uh, the, the cyber world here. And the poll was, okay, if you had to pick one, would you rather Dino Babers would be better at the portal or recruiting? And 68% of people that voted in that poll said the portal. And I think, you know, look, the portal hasn't become more important than recruiting, but that gap's closer than it used to be, right? you got another recruiting day coming up in a few weeks, and it's almost a moot point now because the portal seems to be where the priorities are for a lot of people. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I, I think the appeal of going to the portal as opposed to getting more high school recruits is that portal guys are – more likely to be able, more likely to be guys that you're able to put in right away. They have college experience. The glitz and glam has hopefully worn off, and they've evened out a little bit. Um, and so, and that's something that Dino Babers always talks about: is these are guys that can come in that have experience. We haven't seen that totally reflect in who Syracuse has picked up from the portal yet. I mean, they have two linemen, um, Joe Moore and Braylon Ingraham, who are older but then other than that it's pretty much all like redshirt freshmen um redshirt sophomores younger guys who weren't getting playing time um so while they have college experience in the the they've been at practice they've been on campus they've been suited up on the sideline at games they don't necessarily have on-field experience so i think that's a little interesting but in i think the general idea of going after the transfer transfer portal heavier than high school recruiting does make sense. And I think if you can hit on getting like anywhere from like, I guess it depends on how many players you need, but like four to six pickups of good experienced players, they don't need to be five stars. You probably want some of them to be four stars though. That's where you kind of hit that sweet spot in, in the portal. I think. 
Emily, some final thoughts on Lenora Sellers committing to South Carolina right. over Syracuse. I, I was about to say something, like, what are the lessons from that? But I don't even know if there are. Like, Jason Beck was in on him early, stuck with him through his injury, and was, you know, ride or die with this guy. And then South Carolina basically got shamed into recruiting him. They swoop in, they get him. And, you know, look, he made a decision, and he's an 18-year-old kid trying to figure out what to do with his life. And if he wants to stay home, he has every prerogative to do that, and I don't blame him for it. But if we're, it, it falls in the line of what we're talking about here between the portal and recruiting. Like, is there even another quarterback they're targeting for February and signing day, or is it more uh, the portal? Is it more, you know, maybe the South Mississippi quarterback they're bringing in? Have they kind of moved on from recruiting another quarterback this cycle? Yeah, I haven't seen anything pop up, any high schoolers um, that – play quarterbacks that are being recruited. There is the one transfer. I think, too, I mean, as of right now, Syracuse is still in an okay place at that position for next year. I mean, you have Garrett Schrader starting pretty solid. He had a good year this year, obviously. I think hopefully he'll be 100% healthy all season next year, which wasn't the case this year, but you never know. You have him. You have Carlos Del Rio Wilson, which I know some people – we're not impressed with his level of play. He was a red shirt freshman. He had never played real minutes before, and he got like thrown in at the last second to six straight quarters of football. I think he did well enough, and I think another season under Beck's guidance and getting more experience and melding with the team a little bit more will help him. I, I don't think he's some guy that should be sidelined and that people will forget about. And then you're also bringing back Justin Lampson, who I haven't really had the chance to see yet, so I don't have a ton of commentary on him, but from what I've heard and what I've read about him was a pretty solid um, quarterback prospect in the spring game last year until his injury. And so he should be coming back. Um, He's been, I believe he was mostly healthy throughout the season actually, but they just kind of decided to extend his rehab process since they didn't think they were going to need him. Um, so, I mean, you have three strong guys there. You also have Jacoby and Morgan, who is a scholarship QB, and then you have Luke McPhail, who's a walk-on. But there's, like, enough depth there. I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't get a quarterback, either from the portal or from the high school ranks this season. But then if they don't, it becomes high priority for the 2024 class and the 2024 cycle. Emily, thank you so much. Appreciate the insight. Uh, we'll spare the people a bad batch review, but uh, let's just say thumbs up from both Emily and I on episode three, one of the better of the series. So uh, there you go, Star Wars fans, a little nugget for you. But uh, have yourself a great weekend. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to that Transfer Portal article next week. But uh, appreciate your time and your insight as always. Of course. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thanks, Emily. That's Emily Liker, folks. Like. Emily on social media, right? Go follow Emily on Twitter and follow all the latest. Her exit interview with Nick Monroe is up today on Syracuse.com. Make sure you read that. We will break, come back, and uh, different conversation coming your way. But still on the football front, Brian Drake and I going over the fantasy and betting implications of all the playoff games. And the National Football League. Stay right there.